Welcome to the Chalkboard, my fellow football nerds, for episode number 85 of Chalk Talk, brought to you by The Painted Lines. I'm your host, Shane Half, and you can follow me on Twitter at halfandhalf underscore TPL. I'm joined today by the best co-host in the game. You've heard him on the Tough Cover radio show. It is Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. Mark, it's been a while. We missed the week before. I was out traveling. Uh, you know, we're not going to try to cover two weeks in one because that would just go predictably awful. So if there's something you guys wanted to hear about week 15, I'm sorry. It's just lost into the nothingness. But uh, Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, had a had a great holiday. Hope everyone listening did as well. Hope Shane did as well. Um, I'm definitely excited to talk some football. It's been far too long. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be things that naturally come up um, in, in the you know, in the swing of conversation about that we touch on with week 15 and we'll say, Oh, we haven't talked in X amount of time. You know, uh, th- this time, last time we talked, we thought the Miami dolphins were basically clinched into the playoffs. And then now, uh, it- it's not so much the same. So there's certain things like that, that I'm sure will come up naturally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we won't try to relitigate everything, but I'm sure we'll hit on some of those storylines. If you, are a team a fan of a team because we cover everything on this podcast if you're a fan of a team that has fallen out of the playoff race sadly you may not get a lot of coverage from us today but rest assured your time is coming as we get closer to the nfl draft and draft season we're going to focus a little more on some of the more playoff relevant games today but we will touch on all of them uh, at least i'll say the score i don't know sometimes we we might next a game or two but let's dive in as we always do with the eagles and the Cowboys, the Eagles travel to Dallas on Christmas Eve and they lose the game 34 to 40. There's Mark back. We lost him for just a second. Uh, the Eagles lose 34 to 40 on Christmas Eve at Dallas. Uh, starting Gardner Minshew, starting a backup quarterback. I actually thought the offense looked pretty good, Mark. I mean, Dallas comes into this game with the number three. DVOA defense, the number three EPA defense, and the number seven defense in points per game. And the Eagles destroyed it with a backup quarterback until they didn't. I mean, they never punted. They had four turnovers. Obviously, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott each with a fumble. Two interceptions targeting Quez Watkins, a turnover on downs at the end of the game. But the Eagles moved the ball up and down the field a little better than I expected. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told us before the game that our brand new punter wasn't even going to punt, um, I, I think we felt I think we would have felt pretty good. It's funny. Uh, the gambler, the radio station uh, that I do a tough cover radio show on um, every week, they do uh, the all pro Philly show where they have a an eagle come on. Usually it's TJ Edwards. It's TJ Edwards show. Um, he goes on every week. The last two weeks he's been busy. I don't know if it's the holidays, but he threw uh, I think Anthony Ellis is his name. Um, the the special teamer or Christian Ellis, actually Christian not Anthony Ellis. Ellis. Christian Ellis uh, went on the show this week. It's Brett Kern, the punter. They, they sent the punter to do the All Pro Philly show, and I was thinking, like, what's he going to talk about from the game? He didn't. He didn't punt the ball. Um, but yeah, I, I think that my number one takeaway from this game, and it's funny to say because the team that won is obviously the Dallas Cowboys, uh, but it's been a takeaway of mine kind of over the last three weeks. Uh, it looked taking a look at what Dallas has done on defense, where. I think for a long time, we put Dallas in the Super Bowl contender tier. And a big part of the reason we did so was because we assumed they had a top three defense in football. We assumed that that pass rush and Parsons would be an absolute terror 
for anyone, especially going into Dallas, and especially if you're without your starting MVP-level quarterback. But I think we've seen for three weeks, whether it be the game that was way too close against the Texans, whether it be the Jags hanging a 40-burger on them last week, or whether it be the Eagles scoring 34 and never punting, I think we're seeing that this Dallas defense is a lot more ordinary than we ever could have imagined. Yeah, and they've they've been plagued by some secondary injuries, but you know, playoffs are coming and there's not much time left to get healthy for the you know, by and large what you have is what you're going to get in the playoffs and uh, their offense is certainly operating at a very high level right now, but their defense leaves something to be desired and and you saw it in this game. Uh, Devonta Smith and AJ Brown, they were just ridiculous in this game. Really the I think the Eagles win this game if Zach Pascal is their wide receiver three. The Eagles got to get Quez Watkins off the field. Last week against the Bears, he was responsible for one of Jalen Hurts' uh, interceptions, jogging out of his break. I I would argue he's responsible for both of the interceptions in this game. If you want to go back to the Commanders game, they lost. He fumbles the ball off of a dart from Jalen Hurts that should have won the game. Like You could argue the biggest factor in both Eagles' losses has been the play of Quez Watkins. And I, I I liked Quez. I thought he might have a good year this year as a vertical threat, whatever. But the lack of effort that he's had on some huge plays in the last two weeks, like, I, I think you got to make a statement if you're Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen. I think you got to put him behind Zach Paschal, uh, at least for the next game. Yeah, I, I almost think of this. I know you're not a basketball guy, Shane. Um, but I almost think of this a little bit like the Sixers. Um, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, James Harden, and Tobias Harris are very much the core of the Sixers. You just have to find someone to fill that fifth spot in the lineup that's not going to actively hurt what the other guys are doing. And with the Eagles, your core four is very clearly weapon-wise. It's Miles Sanders, it's your two receivers in Brown and Smith, and it's Dallas Goddard. You just need your third receiver not to hurt you. And Quez Watkins is actively hurting you. And just like you, I've had optimism about Quez. I mean, when you have a guy that's as fast as Quez is, it's hard not to kind of get infatuated with some ideas on how to get him the football because you know that he has that home run speed and that breakability to turn any play into a huge play. But why are we throwing him, like, third down slants and, 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 you know, these – these tough go-get-it balls when clearly strength is not something that I would consider a strength for him. Um, So, yeah, if you're going to play Zach Paschal as your number three receiver and basically say, all right, you're getting basically no targets unless everything goes wrong, but please go out there and don't make silly mistakes and block your your butt off, basically, um, I, I think that's probably the correct decision. Um, I, I, and I think they'll make it like, I, I think, you know, Sirianni is a former wide receivers coach. He's a former wide receiver. There's no way that Sirianni is okay with the level of effort that Quez has been putting out. Yeah. we got Quentin chiming in on YouTube says, hopefully Lane Johnson is back before we see the Cowboys again. And that's a big point. Yeah, go ahead real quick. I want to just touch on this, um, because I want to kind of, I wish I would have tweeted this because I was about to. And then I deleted it because I really just didn't want to get in an argument that didn't make any sense. Um, but Lane Johnson, to me, when he went down on Saturday, that looked like a very serious injury to me. That's at least how I took it. When I saw that, 
I kind of assumed that it would come out that he had a torn groin or something terrible and he was done. So then when the news came out that it was an abdo- it was an abdominal injury and that he will miss the regular season and the initial report said pain management will be key for whether or not he plays in the playoffs. When I read that in my head, that basically meant, oh, Lane's playing in the playoffs. Because when that report came out and it said, hopefully pain management will be key or hopefully they'll get him back for the playoffs. To me, there's no way Lane Johnson's being kept out once that's the wording. And everyone reacted to the injury report like, oh, my God, what a disaster. Like, this is the worst case. And it's like, did everyone watch the way he was on the ground? Like, I thought he was done. So this being like maybe he's playing or he's probably playing in the playoffs. Like, I viewed that as massively positive news. But the way everyone reacted was like, oh, what a nightmare. And it's like, I guess I was just shocked by the reaction. Yeah, uh, Ian Rapoport said it was a, a torn adductor in his in his abdomen, and he's going to put off surgery for the offseason to rehab for two or three weeks and will play in the playoffs. So uh, he will be back. The question is, at what level will he be back? I mean, 75 80% of Lane Johnson is still a darn good offensive tackle. but Probably you know, top 10. Yeah, it is troubling, though. The, the Eagles have been largely healthy all season, and the last thing you want to do is get banged up the last few weeks of the season. But you have Jalen Hurts against the Bears going down with the this SC joint sprain, and then you have uh, Avante Maddox getting injured, and I'm not hopeful that we'll see Maddox again this year. They just said it was a significant injury and he would miss significant time. you got Lane Johnson will be coming back off of injury. Uh, Jordan Davis was concussed that's not going to linger into the playoffs but uh, you got Chauncey Gardner Johnson hopefully coming back like the Eagles have avoided injury for the majority of the season and now they're starting to stack up injuries it's why it's so important that they beat the Saints this week and get everybody out I originally said with a bye you don't want to you know you don't want to bench guys the last week because then you go three weeks without a game I'm coming off of that you get up on the Saints, get up on, get up by 30 at the Saints at halftime and get your guys out. I don't care. The only thing that matters is this team getting healthy. Uh, talk, talking on mute. That's where I've been. Um, I, I've been in the camp of let's win and rest our guys. I don't care about the week 18 game and, and staying not rusty anymore. You just have to stay healthy. Um, looks like Lane will be back. Looks like Davis will be back. Um, looks like CJGJ should be back. Um, at this point, I think the two people you have to be concerned about are obviously Jalen, because even if Jalen comes back, you just have to hope that he's still himself. Um, and, and then Avante Maddox. Avante Maddox is probably the number one, and we've talked about this before. Um, I'm not saying he's a Lane Johnson level player. I'm not saying he's a Jordan Davis level player. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say. This injury means more than the Jalen Hurts injury because QB is just so important. But with the level of backup you have in Minshew, there probably is an argument that the Avante Maddox drop down to to Josiah Scott or whoever's going to play slot corner. That might even matter more than any other injury um, that, that's out there that's possible. So um, Avante going down is one of the worst breaks we could have right now. Um, doesn't seem like he'll be ready for the playoffs based on some of the reporting, but a lot of that's guesswork. So. Um, that's the one that I'm definitely down on. And that's the one that I'm definitely really disappointed about. Um, I I think he's incredibly valuable, especially when we're going to go against some of these more, you know, high powered attacks, whether that be what we already saw with Dallas, 
whether that be all the weapons that San Fran has, whether that be even, you know, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and, and now TJ Hawkinson. Um, at least they've got some weapons too there. So um, there, there's a lot to be concerned about if Avante is going to miss time. Um, it's interesting for this for this Saints game. So I'm actually a uh, funny little funny tidbit here. Next week's Chalk Talk, I'm going to be even more out of sorts than I am this week because uh, I'll actually be at the game. Um, I, I got tickets for Christmas, so I'll be down at the link to watch Saints Eagles. So now I'm I'm actually selfishly a little happy that they lost to the Cowboys. So this this game matters a little bit. Um, so I won't be cold for nothing. Um, but <laughs> um, that's assuming they win the game. The line it's interesting. The line opened at Eagles minus three and a half, um, uh, and I guess that was assuming that Hurts would be out. That line has been bet up to Eagles minus seven. So that line has wow. doubled. I don't know if that means that there's any chance Hertz is going to play or if that means like they watched the Minshew all 22, like Shane did and realized he did a pretty darn good job. Yeah. Hertz isn't playing in this game. I, I would be surprised. I think even if the Eagles were to lose to the saints, I don't think you see Hertz out there in week 18 against the giants. I think uh, it's imperative that the Eagles get the bye and give him as much time as possible uh, to come out of that injury. Yeah, absolutely. There's absolutely no way we see Jalen again in this regular season, in my opinion, and we shouldn't. Um, they should absolutely feel like they're going to be able to beat the Saints with Minshew. Um, they should feel like they're going to blow the Saints out with Minshew. Um, I, I think it's important to get Jalen some rest. Yeah. The, the one, the one. if they lose this week, then you probably have to break him out for the Giants game. Yeah, see, I don't even know. I don't even know if that happens, but hopefully we never find that out. Yeah. So on the defensive side of the ball, they gave up 40 points, 20 points off of turnovers at, on varying <laughs> degrees of short fields. There's been a lot of consternation about the defense. And um, as I watched the All-22, I've just seen just a lack of execution. Obviously, you give up a third and 30. Josiah Scott, that's 100% on Josiah Scott. Uh, maybe you don't like the play call, but Josiah Scott should have made that play. Um even before that, though, you have the second drive of the game. It feels like the Cowboys' first drive because of the pick six early on. But their first like long drive of the game, you dial up a, a blitz for Avante Maddox out of a condensed set, and he gets a free run at Dak, and he's unable to bring him down. And Dak extends the play, gets first down. They end up scoring. You get a fourth and eight penalty on Darius Slay. You get James Bradbury in man coverage on C.D. Lamb with safety help to the inside, but he plays with inside leverage, which is a big no-no, and he gets beat to the outside back corner of the end zone. Like, it was just miscue after miscue, miscommunications by the defense, and that's very uncharacteristic of the defense. And I'm sure some of it has to do with Josiah Scott being inserted in the middle of the game, but it, by the same token, he's played for Avante Maddox in an extended stint before. It was just a off game for the secondary. I thought the pass rush was good, I thought the communication issues with the secondary were, were abnormal, and, and I thought Kazir White was absolutely terrible in this game. Uh, it kind of makes you wish that the Eagles had been playing Jordan Davis a little bit throughout the year because Kazir White's fallen off a cliff the last few weeks, and it'd be nice to have a rookie that you could go to with some experience because you're not going to throw this guy in playing like 12 snaps prior to this, but, but it'd be nice to have him as part of that rotation. You said uh, you wish Jordan Davis was playing. I'm assuming you meant Nakobe Dean. There. Oh yeah, sorry, I meant Nakobe. Yeah, I wish they. 
I wish they'd given Nicobe Dean 10, 15 snaps a game, you know, throughout the season, because I would absolutely make that move right now. Kazir White's been dreadful, but I don't feel like you can make that move with a guy that really hasn't played all season. That's a rookie. Yeah, I, I agree. You probably can't make that move. It'd be, it, I'll tell you what, that is something that's very interesting to me these next two weeks. They should absolutely get Nicobe Dean some work these next two weeks. Like, especially week 18, if they win, Nicobe Dean should play every snap and, and just see what you have and, and see what you need to work on because I'd be pretty shocked if he's not playing next year. Uh, at least a much, much larger larger role in terms of sub-packages. So um, I, I think Nicobe Dean should play a lot more. Eagles gave Blake Jarwin a tryout today. I did not know that. What do you think, Shane? Yeah, I, I, he, I mean, he could make sense to bring on to the practice squad. You, I, I don't care too much either way. I don't think it's a big deal. Um, I think they, they, they haven't brought a lot of guys in to work out that they haven't ended up signing at least to the practice squad. So I think you could maybe see him as some depth. Uh, obviously, Tyree Jackson's out now, and uh, maybe they want to get into more of those 12 and 13 personnel sets, but I really don't think it's too much of a big deal. Yeah, I, I want to go back real quick um, and touch on something on the offense because I, I forgot to mention it. Can we talk about how Miles Sanders stunk in this game? Yeah, it was a bad Miles Sanders game. Bad. And it didn't hit the right holes. There were holes to be hit, too. And it felt like he was choosing wrong after a year of choosing right. Um, and after a year of running hard, it kind of felt like last year's Miles Sanders in this game. Or I should say just the last few years of Miles Sanders is what it felt like in this game. And um, obviously the fumble where I'm not sure it was even touched. Um, that is just, I mean, that's a killer. Like this offensive line and this system is so predicated on helping the running back and making the running back look so much better than they are. You can't have bad games like this. And I know that that's like unfair. He's a pro bowler. He's having the best season of his career. I would simplify that and say he's been in the best system in the NFL for a running back this season. And he's been good. He's been better than I could have hoped and better than I would have expected. Um, but in a game like this, especially with your backup quarterback, where it's on you to, to help that guy out, it's on you to step up. Um, and, and he just didn't do that. I think um, I, I really, I hate when people do this on podcasts, but I saw a thread from someone that was going over um, some Eagles plays. I'm going to try to find them on Twitter and give them a correct shout out. But um, he was kind of going through a lot of the running and talking about the Miles Sanders issue um, and saying what I've been saying for a very, very, very long time. They very much miss Jalen Hurts in the run game, not just for Jalen Hurts, but for Miles Sanders here uh, and for their running backs, because you could see that the defense was much more decisive on attacking the running back on plays where in the past they have to stay, you know, double-minded on what Jalen Hurts is going to do with the ball. So um, I think for everyone out there that says it's all the offensive line and, you know, it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback and it's the system and all that stuff, I think we saw this week that that's not the case. I think Jalen Hurts tremendously impacts the running ability outside of just his own legs. Yeah, there's two things you can do to help a running back. One is have a great offensive line. One is have a mobile quarterback. And when you take one of those away, Miles Sanders really struggled. And I really thought with Gardner Minshew that they would get under center and run the ball more. It's so hard to run from the shotgun if your QB is not a running threat. 
the Eagles only ran six plays that were under center, and I think two of those were QB sneaks. So I do expect them to be under center more against New Orleans. But this isn't a preview show, but just something you can file away. I think you'll see on Sunday. And by the way, uh, anyone out there who follows me on Twitter or tracked my interview on Sean Brace's show that I do every Thursday, Gardner Minshew, anytime touchdown, plus 550, cash it. That was such an easy bet, such a value bet. The plus plus 550, the implied probability of that is so low. Um, and basically, you know that if the Eagles get on the one-yard line, they are going to run a QB sneak. So whatever Gardner Minshew is again this week on any time touchdown, I'm sure it won't be 550 again after he scored. It'll probably be plus 300, plus 350. That's still worth sprinkling on because if they get to the one, they're running a sneak. <laughs> like it, that, That's not a Hurts thing. That's that's a Eagles have the perfect play thing. Um, so if they do it again next week, I'm sure I'll have another rushing touchdown. Sorry, just a, a had, I had to throw a gambling aside in there. Yeah, yeah, All for fair, fair. Uh, anything else you want to say about the Eagles game before we move on to the rest of the NFL? Um, not much. Uh, you know, yeah, not much. I think they'll probably try to isolate Slay on Lamb more next time if they play Dallas in the playoffs. Um, if you have a guy who goes around calling himself Big Play Slay and CB1 and all this stuff, you'd like to be able to throw him on a guy when a guy's absolutely torching us, right? But they did not do that. So, uh, See, you know, I actually don't think they will. Uh, that sucks. Uh, I mean, that stinks. I think, and if, if I, if you put me in the defensive coordinator's chair, I actually wouldn't do that. I, I would, I would invite them to put lamb in the slot and then I would bracket him with Chauncey Gardner, Johnson and whoever that's fair. And Josiah Scott, or I would have Chauncey Gardner Johnson in the slot and keep Reed Blankenship on the field, but I would bracket him. That's with interesting. Two guys. And, uh, I, I, I like, I mean, you put James Bradbury on him on that one touchdown. He just faked him out. And I, I would rather have two lesser guys covering someone than one really good guy covering him in single coverage. I think the way the Eagles structure their defense allows them against a team that only has one big receiving threat. If they want to put him in the slot, which the Cowboys wanted to do, I think it does open up uh, the ability for you to bracket him inside out and, I like that matchup better than trying to put a guy who doesn't play in the slot into the slot just to counter that. But we I'm may fine get a with chance that. to see we may get a chance to see how that plays out if Chris Olave is questionable right now. If he plays for the Saints this weekend, he's not C D Lamb level good, but he's a very good receiver and they have nobody else and he's gonna line up in the slot a lot. So we may get a chance to sample how the Eagles are gonna counter that. Or they may hide it. They may hide it for the playoffs, but that's how I would approach it at least. I hope that you're right with the CJGJ slot corner thing. Do you think that that's something they'll do? I don't. I think yeah. they will probably put him at safety, but I would much rather keep him on the him and Blankenship on the field than him and Scott. Yeah, I agree. I think Blankenship's a lot better at football than Josiah Scott is. Yeah, agreed. just to be blunt. All right, let's move on, and I don't even know what day these games were. There were games on so many days, but let's get on to Jacksonville. <laughs> at the New York Jets as we have a Duval coming in from YouTube here before I even announce the game they must know I go right down the official NFL schedule uh, people are figuring out the trend we have to mix this up but <laughs> Jacksonville beats the Jets 19 to 3 we got two teams going in opposite directions the Jets were 7 and 4 at one point but they've dropped four straight 
the Jaguars were three and seven after their bye, but now they control their own fate for the playoffs. They play the Texans this week. It's a totally meaningless game, but in week 18, they host the Titans. Winner takes the division, and Doug Peterson's putting this team in the playoffs, and he should win Coach of the Year. That's my take, and it's not just because I have the preseason futures on it, but Doug Peterson should get Coach of the Year. Let's go. That's a crazy statement. There's so many Coach of the Year candidates right now. The Jags have had the number one pick in the NFL draft each of the last two years. For Doug Peterson to come in and win the division, get to the playoffs in his first season, give me that Coach of the Year. Not to mention – he is owed a Coach of the Year award from 2017 when Sean Pretty Boy McVeigh won it, even though he lost to Doug head-to-head, did not have as good a team, and notably did not win a Super Bowl. But that's a rant for 2017. So so we're going to take another Eagles coach's Coach of the Year away to give it to Doug? That feels backwards. <laughs> I, yeah, there, you could make an argument for some different guys. Obviously, Sirianni, I don't – I don't think Sirianni is going to be viewed as highly in coach of the year. Just they were in the playoffs last year. uh, And obviously the Jalen hurts leap has been really good, but I really think coach of the year, I don't think you can give it to Brian Dable as they've kind of, I mean, you could, and he's deserving, but they've kind of Mm -hmm. tailed off and lost their luster. I think if, I think if the Jags make the playoffs, I would give it to Doug. I think Kyle Shanahan's going to win it though. When you get to the playoffs, when you win your division with Brock Purdy, I think Kyle Shanahan wins, ends up winning Coach of the Year. But if I That's had a vote, so, I'd give it to Doug. It's so funny because when I was thinking Coach of the Year candidates, I was actually having this conversation yesterday. Neither Shanahan or Doug made like what I was saying my top three was. Which really? is like, like I think it, if I had to guess, I think it will be Sirianni or Dable. Um, those would be – there was another one that I, I'm forgetting that's not on the top of my head right now. I would make the argument for Dable – um, I, I think that Giants team stinks. Um, I, I think the fact that they're doing what they're doing is unbelievable. I think Jones played his best game of his career against the Vikings last week. Um, Vikings have a terrible defense, so it's not saying much. But um, I, I think that what Dable did there is incredible. Um, the, oh, the, the third one's O'Connell, which is so funny. Oh, yeah. The, he was my pick before the year was Kevin O'Connell because I thought the Vikings – People forget because I'm so anti-Vikings on Twitter and <laughs> so anti-Vikings in general. They were one of my like big off-season takes was they were going to win 12 games and we were all going to look up and be like, "Huh?" And it's exactly what's happening. Um, and I think that I thought people would attribute that more to Kevin O'Connell, but I think the fact that they're just like 12 and 0 in one-score games, I think people are attributing it to luck when. Maybe it should be attributed to Kevin O'Connell, the, the fact that they're that good in close games and that good in one-score games. I, I think it's there is a lot of luck in there, but I do think at a certain factor, O'Connell's making good decisions. But really, I, I think it should be Sirianni or Dable. I, honestly, I hadn't even considered Kyle Shanahan. So that's fun. And you know me. like I, I'm the biggest mm-hmm. Shanahan. I'm a Kyle Stanahan. But I hadn't even really considered him um, as one of the candidates. It makes sense. Three different quarterbacks and obviously so much, you know, turmoil. Even, you know, Debo's missed time. Mitchell's out. They traded for McCaffrey. They they ingratiated him halfway through the year. So he's definitely done an incredible job. I kind of thought Sirianni would be one of the guys in the mix because of what Jalen Hurts has turned into. Um, And I think you can probably credit Sirianni for that more than anybody. I just pulled up the odds, and right now, uh, Nick Sirianni is minus 225. Wow. Uh, Dan Campbell is plus 250. We didn't even mention him. Wow. Yeah. 
Kyle Shanahan plus 2,000, Brian Dable plus 2,500, Kevin O'Connell plus 2,800, Doug Peterson plus 2,800. Yeah, they they know Doug Peterson doesn't deserve coach of the year. They should give like a retroactive, like horrible human of the year to Urban Meyer because that team was not as bad as as it performed last year. That, That was just all Urban Meyer not knowing who Aaron Donald was and uh, forgetting that he was an NFL coach. Yeah. The other thing in this game that really sticks out with the Jets is, so Zach Wilson, obviously Oof. Mike White can't play. Uh, Zach Wilson was basically booed off the field and then benched for Chris Strebler, which ironically, the first play of the game, he lined up as a wide receiver. He's not a wide <laughs> receiver, but you could make the argument that Zach Wilson was benched for a wide receiver. Uh, Zach Wilson's done in New York. I don't care what Robert Sala says. He's done. Uh, the Jets, man, they're wasting a good defense with an awful decision at quarterback. And they got to win out now, and they've got to hope for some help just to get into the playoffs. And I don't, I don't think they can do it unless Mike White manages to get back. Unless he find, happens to find a doctor that will sign off on him playing again, which he's apparently tried very hard to do. I think he, I think he found it. Oh, did he? Good. Yeah, it looks like he's playing. It looks like Mike White is playing. And they said Zach Wilson will be inactive for the rest of the year. Um, so they'll they'll keep Flacco and Strebler as the backups. Um, I think we'll talk about this game more than some of the other games because it does have implications. I think there's a lot of games we'll just skip right by. Um, but there are so many teams that are in the QB market heavy for next year. In the, During the pod, I'm actually just going to keep a running list right here in front of me. I'm just going to write down every team that we talk about that's going to be in that market. The Jets are going to be in that market, whether that be to go up and get a guy in the draft or whether that be to go out and get a Garoppolo or a car or try to target Lamar. There's there The Jets are going to try every single avenue they can, maybe even Tom Brady, uh, to, to go ahead and try to not waste this defense again. Um, but the Zach Wilson thing is is unbelievable. He He played one of the worst games you'll you'll ever see in the NFL and you know props to me and Shane for in the midst of those that kind of winning streak for the Jets where they were stepping up um and Wilson was not the stats weren't as bad as they were last year I remember there were people out there being positive about Wilson and me and Shane the whole time kept saying like people watch the games He's bad. It's terrible. Like it, it is really, really bad. They are winning in spite of him. Um, and, and you know, that's become quite evident now. So uh, the, the jets have an incredible future, the draft that they, ha- it's so funny. Like I think Joe Douglas has done such an incredible job as in the last two years outside of Zach Wilson. If, if you just erase that Zach Wilson pick, which is a pretty big pick and a pretty big decision, He's done so many things well. Sauce is probably the best corner in football. Jermaine Johnson looks good. There's all of these young pieces for the Jets uh, that they're excited about. And, you know, Brees Hall looked really good before he got hurt. Garrett Wilson looks unbelievable. Um, They have a lot of things to be excited about, but they just do not have the quarterback figured out whatsoever. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason. The Jags, on the other hand, we can pretty much put them on the shelf for until week 18. Like nothing that happens next week in the Jags or Titans game can matter, which is very funny. Uh, so both teams I imagine will be not fully going after wins. Um, Jacksonville's playing Houston and, uh, and I believe Tennessee's playing Dallas. So it'll be interesting to see there if Jacksonville tries against Houston, because Houston, if they win, 
I believe they secede the first pick to the Chicago Bears. Um, so that'll be an interesting little subplot there. But Week 18, Jags-Titans is for the division, and the entire country should be standing on their tables and couches rooting for the Jags because the Titans are unwatchable. Yeah, we've got Ellis Rogers chiming in on uh, Facebook, says, Go Jets, and then he does say, Yeah, the Jets do need a quarterback. So uh, let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons at Baltimore. The Ravens win 17-9. to this is uh, three wins in four games for Baltimore without scoring more than 17 points. Now, obviously, they're starting a backup quarterback, and they're hoping to get Lamar back, but this offense has looked bad. Uh, on, on the Falcons' side of the ball, Desmond Ritter looked better, I thought. He had some moments that he looked nice, but, I mean, he's still got a lot of flaws. He's a rookie making his second start. Uh, the biggest thing for me moving forward for the Falcons is he connected, he's connected with Drake London 14 times in two games for 166 yards after London had only 16 receptions for 132 yards in the previous six games with Marcus Mariota. If the Falcons, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda, if they would have made the switch to Desmond Ritter a month earlier, I think they'd be in the NFC playoffs. I did think Ritter played better in this game. But I also kind of walked out of this game thinking the Falcons should be looking for a quarterback still. Um, I'm sure they will be. Yeah, that's an interesting little situation there because you'd like to give Ritter the confidence of starting him another year, but I don't think he's necessarily earned it, even though he was a bit more efficient in this game. And like you said, him targeting London, that's that's, that's a smart decision by him for his future because obviously Drake London is their future. The Falcons don't believe in Ritter. He would have been starting a month ago because Marcus Mariota was borderline unplayable, and they continued to trot him out there. So I don't think they I don't think they believe in him. I don't know what he could do the next two weeks to convince them to put off getting a quarterback, but I think they'll look to make a move if they can. And then on the other side with the Ravens, like if you're, you know, one of these, if you're Jacksonville or Tennessee or um, Cincinnati. Are you not absolutely desperate to play Baltimore in the first round instead of the Chargers or maybe Miami? Uh, maybe maybe you'd rather play Miami. I don't know, but um, it kind of depends on the QB situation there. But uh, let's just leave it at the Chargers. If you're one of those teams and you could play the Chargers or you could play the Ravens, geez, like there seems to be a massive gap there between the Chargers right now and the Ravens right now. Yeah, absolutely. I- Maybe they can get it going if they get Lamar back, but I don't feel good about their chances. The funny the funny thing about the Ravens is we've kind of been saying all year, this team's not very good. They just have a star quarterback in Lamar Jackson, uh, and right now they don't have him. They found ways to win, and that defense has made pretty remarkable strides this year. I, I will give them the credit there. Uh, I will say – a lot of the offenses they've played have been incredibly flawed. Um, and the way that they play is going to help their defense out in terms of the way that they've been running the ball every play pretty much and keeping their defense off the field. Uh, it, it's going to keep games low scoring just by pace of play. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not taking this defensive resurgence from them to say, oh, well, if you put Lamar on the offense and you have this defense playing this way, I just don't fully buy into what the defense is doing. I think it's a, a matter of pace of play and a matter of opponents. And I think if they get Trevor, here's an interesting game. You're not as much of a gambling guy I am as I am. But let's say the Ravens don't play Lamar 
these next two games, which, by the way, they shouldn't, in my opinion at least. They have no chance at the bye. They shouldn't go all out for the division. They already have clinched in. So I think they should probably rest Lamar these next two weeks. And then let's say Jacksonville beats Tennessee, and let's say we get Jacksonville-Baltimore in the first round. What's the line on that game? I don't know. I, I would definitely like the Jags' chances. I would think yeah. the Jags would be favored. I think it'd be like a pick 'em. Yeah. I, I give me the Jags all that day out there. on that. Yeah, I I would. I want to bet on both of the Jags and the Chargers in the first round. I, I like the way that both of them are playing right now. So if you could give me a situation where maybe the Chargers play the the Bills and, and maybe the Jags play the uh, the Ravens. I think that would give me some some good bet spreads to bet on in, in wild card round. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the Detroit Lions at the Carolina Panthers. Carolina wins thirty seven to twenty three. Mark, I got a question for you. Since Sam Darnold became the starter, where do you think the Panthers' offense ranks in EPA per play? Is it first? Because I know he's first in yards per attempt. It's second. They rank second uh, in yards or in EPA per play. Like what? Are, are we being serious right now? Are we going to do the Sam Darnold starting QB and Carolina thing again? I feel like I'm on punked. <laughs> I don't like this at all. By the way, he was I mean, still they, they did for rush 22. for 320 yards and three touchdowns. So yeah, he he was still 15 for 22 in this game before after playing terrible the last two weeks, which is funny that is the EPA is that high and the YPA is that high, but. Uh, he played bad the two weeks before this, but whatever. I'll get over myself. This game upset me. I had a big bet on the Lions. This is one of the games that I was tracking. And man, that Lions defense peaked its head back out. Uh, we thought that Aaron Glenn had gotten some things fixed and Aiden Hutchinson had really come on. Jeff Okuda had really come on. And Detroit was doing a lot of good things on the defensive side of the ball. But man, this was a ugly, ugly, ugly showing from that Lions defense. And now it's looking like there's a chance Detroit Green Bay could end up being for a playoff spot in week 18, which you would have told that's I mean, that's a development. Green Bay's probably been from having like a 3% playoff chance to a 37% playoff chance since the last time we recorded a podcast. Yeah, the, the Lions are down to a 24% chance to make the playoffs, wow. and the Panthers are up to a 29% chance. They control their fate for the NFC South with games at Tampa and at New Orleans to end the year. So you could be looking at the Carolina Panthers in the playoffs after they fired their coach, which would objectively be a hilarious outcome. Do you hear, I know it's not a preview show, but who wins Panthers bucks? Who, who wins that division? I think the Panthers beat the bucks. The bucks are atrocious, but I don't know. The the Bucks like peeked their head out in the first half of the Bengals game and then managed to lose it somehow. I I have more faith in the Panthers than I do the Bucks. The Bucks are a better team, but I just don't have any faith in them. Yeah, them getting a 9-yard run from Leonard Fournette to get the second and one and then running Fournette directly into the center of the field three straight times failing to get a yard on any of the three times without running a QB sneak when you have Tom freaking Brady, like the greatest QB sneak quarterback of all time on your team. That was like the ultimate encapsulation of this buck season and how stupid this team is to get nine yards on a run on first down and to not get a first down 
and run the same play three straight times. Like every team out there that had a head coach opening that didn't hire Byron Leftwich made the best decision they've ever made. I mean, Jacksonville was really seriously considering hiring Byron Leftwich. They you gotta think they're thanking their lucky stars that they went with a Super Bowl winning coach in Doug Peterson because man, it seems like Leftwich is an absolute buffoon. Yeah, yeah. That anybody that was thinking of hiring Leftwich, Bowles, whatever, totally dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah. I, I, I by the way I think Tampa wins. I think I say it every week, but I think Tampa finds a way to win that game and get us in the playoffs. And we all know this is leading towards Tampa miraculously somehow upsetting Dallas because for hilarity purposes, Tom Brady coming back from the dead after making after going eight and nine and barely making the playoffs to beat the Cowboys would objectively be one of the funniest things in NFL history. It would. Yeah. Okay, Buffalo at Chicago. Buffalo wins 35-13. to uh, Buffalo's getting a rushing attack now. They had 254 yards on 31 attempts with three touchdowns. Uh, unfortunately, they do need it because Josh Allen has struggled over the last few weeks. But the Bills clinched the AFC East for the third consecutive season after going 24 years without winning the division. Uh, they're currently ahead of the Chiefs for the one seed with two weeks left. They go at Cincinnati versus New England while the Chiefs have Denver and at Las Vegas. It probably takes winning out for the Bills to get the one seed because I don't see a loss for the Chiefs left on their schedule with Denver and the Raiders. Yeah, I'm not even going to focus as much on Buffalo because I think we have a lot of time to talk about Buffalo. I just want to say, I'm going to do it, people can't see me, but I'm clapping. Bravo to the Chicago Bears. One of the best tank jobs of all time. They stay <laughs> in games for like three quarters. Even against the Eagles, they stayed in it almost the whole game. But this game, were they were they winning in the third quarter, the Bears? I'm, I, I think they were winning 13-10, to 10, um, either coming out of halftime or in the third quarter. And uh, Buffalo puts it on them after that. Um, that's just excellent tanking by Chicago. And one of the it's one if they get the first pick, it's one of the greatest first pick seasons of all time because you've proven that you have your quarterback. Um, you've proven even at times that your coaching staff kind of knows what they're doing and that they'll adjust and that they'll make smart decisions. Um, and you've still managed to lose a ton of games uh, and put yourself in a spot for in a good spot for next year. I love everything that's going on in Chicago. I think they're like, uh, obviously, we don't know what they're going to do. They have the most money in the NFL to spend um, on free agency next year. Um, you have to imagine that they help Justin Fields out a little bit there, uh, and they obviously have that high pick. I imagine they won't be using that high pick. I imagine what will be happening is they will be moving from the first pick or the second pick down uh, to, to pick up some assets, maybe to get multiple first-round picks because they have their guy. They can trade the first or second pick to a team that doesn't. So I actually think Chicago is a team that has a very bright future here, which I'm sure you're happy to hear. Yeah, always. Uh, big, big fan. Big fan of Justin Fields, always have been. Uh, really hope to see the Bears build a team around him that will just come up short in the NFC Championship game to the Eagles every year <laughs> for the foreseeable future. So. It's, it is nice, though. Like, obviously, I have my quote-unquote guys, my draft children, um, and it's a shame that they've gotten too good that I, don't, I can't even, like, claim them anymore. Like, Lamar and Mahomes are my two 
draft children. Obviously, Shane knows my my more recent ones like Gregory Russo and, um, you know, some of those guys that I've been very, very high on Kyle Pitts, which necessarily hasn't been that great yet. Um, Devonta Smith. I have those types of guys, but the quarterbacks are the ones that I really get behind. Um, and uh, I guess I have Tua. I have Tua, so that hasn't been as good for me as of late. Um, but I've got all these guys. It's cool going forward that Shane has his guy. Shane's guy is Justin Fields, and it has been. So uh, it's it's nice that Shane has that second team to root for. And we both have Jacksonville to root for because of WP, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, let's go to one of the coldest football games I've ever seen. Uh, New Orleans at Cleveland. It was seven degrees Skip. at kickoff for this game. <laughs> Yeah, uh, New Orleans wins, which sucks for the Eagles, 17-10. Yeah. to 10. Uh, They threw for 92 yards, but they got the win. Uh, on the flip side, Cleveland was shut out in the second half as Watson posted his worst passer rating of his career. And, man, you just hate to see that. Uh, and that's all I got on this one. I can next this one. Yeah, who's regretting their decision more right now, Cleveland or Denver? Ooh, that's a good question. Because Denver, it's easy to say Denver with how bad everything is. But you do have to attach like the utter morality of the situation with Cleveland. Like, if you're gonna throw your morals into a dumpster in the back alley, you at least want to have some football success to show for it, and some some something to show for it with Deshaun Watson. At least Denver was trading for just like a corny guy. Like Cleveland was trading for you know a monster. So it's uh, I almost want to say that I think Cleveland should feel worse about themselves right now. Yeah, I. I, I'm good with that take. <laughs> okay, uh, Seattle at Kansas City. The Chiefs win 24-10. to uh, They got out to a 17-0 lead, and they sort of coasted it in from there. Uh, Seattle continues to tumble. They're now down to a 27% chance to make the playoffs. Hmm, I'm surprised uh, it's that high. Yeah, I am too. I, I, it feels like they have almost no chance, to be honest. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Um, uh, they are not the team that they were. <laughs> Um, I think losing Lockett is so huge for them. Um, I think Tyler Lockett is one of the most underrated receivers. Um, actually, I should you can remove the word receivers there. I think you could put underrated players in the league. Um, I, I think it was Warren Sharp. I don't know if you saw this. He put out a tier, um, a, tiers of wide receivers. Uh, I, I think it was Warren Sharp, but it could have been Solak. It was one of the two. Um, for the ringer that put out a tier of wide receivers. If you, could, it, I, I might go send it to you. It actually might be something to fun to pull up and discuss. Um, but I saw people freaking out because they they put Tyler Lockett on like tier four, and people were saying that he was better than everyone in tier three. Um, so I, I, I do think losing Lockett was huge uh, for this Seahawks offense, and Geno has turned into a pumpkin since he's been gone. Yeah, yeah, that trip to trip to Germany. It really killed the Seahawks, it seems like. It really did. I'm going to send you that. I'm going to find that tweet and send it over. Okay. That's that's good. That's that's like prime off-season podcasting content right there. Uh, we're going to have to do the same thing. I just want to do like a quick look yeah. and just like a, just a reaction. I'm pretty sure it's Solak. So I'm going to look at it right here. Yeah, I found it. I just DM'd it to you. Sorry, this is bad podcasting for the people out there. <laughs> That's all right. I'll take a look at it here. So, okay, let's move on to the Giants at the Vikings. The Vikings win twenty-seven to twenty-four. Uh, Minnesota won by three on a last-second field goal. Sure, why not? They're eleven and zero in one-score games this season, which is a record in NFL history for one-possession wins. Like, it's just unbelievable. I don't know what sort of black magic is going on in Minnesota. 
Uh, I still don't think the Vikings are a good football team, and yet here they are, still have a shot at the one seed. The Giants lost the turnover battle in this game 2-0. to zero. They lost the penalty battle 7-2, to two, and one of the penalties negated an interception of Kirk Cousins. Um, for the Giants, Daniel Jones threw a key interception in the fourth quarter, but other than that, I thought he played pretty well. He was 30-42 of 42 mm-hmm. for 334 yards and a touchdown. And he really has no receivers to work with. Um, here's the take. The Giants can win this game. And I think if they matched up with the Vikings in the first yep. round of the playoffs, I think they're walking out as a seven-seed victor. Yeah, I agree. And I think if you're the Giants, you're desperate to face Minnesota instead of San Francisco. Um, <laughs> there, there is such a massive difference between facing those two teams right now. Um, I don't know if I'd pick the Giants in, the, in that game. But they'd have a an absolute chance um, to win that game. And I'm sure I'll be betting on whoever that seven seed is. I personally kind of hope it's Green Bay or or Washington. Because um, I still think those teams are better than New York. Um, even though Washington lost and tied New York. <laughs> I, Can I, you imagine a seven seed Green Bay who has bullied Minnesota for years going into Minnesota in the first round of the playoffs as a seven seed and upsetting them? Yes, because they're favored this week. Yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. it's in Green Bay, but, but they are favored in that game uh, against the Packers or against the Vikings, which is just very, very funny. Um, so uh, I, I think that says a lot right there. Um, it says everything we yeah. need to say pretty much about the Vikings. Um, I actually did walk out of this game feeling better about the Giants. And um, for a long time, I've said Daniel Jones is like not a top 25 starting quarterback. And uh, I think he stinks. And I've said all that stuff. I'm starting to think that I've probably disrespected him too much. He's probably like the 22nd best quarterback. Um, I still don't think he's a franchise guy, um, and I don't think the Giants should build around him. Um, But I've probably disrespected him a little bit too much. Uh, The other notable Vikings thing in this game is Justin Jefferson now holds the Vikings single-season receiving yards record uh, that was previously held by Randy Moss. So I know MVP is a QB award non-QBs don't have a shot Justin Jefferson should win the MVP this year I think Mahomes is I still think Mahomes should win it over him but um I think he should be in the conversation if it was last year what's more impressive Patrick Mahomes quarterbacking a very good offense that Travis Kelsey or Justin Jefferson being very good when Kirk Cousins is his quarterback (laughs) no it's an uh, it's an argument and he probably should come in second it's he probably should come in second now without Hurts but um, I would probably still say Mahomes, but if last year, if Jefferson did this last year, I would have argued that he deserved to be Rogers, um, for what Rogers did last year for MVP. Cause you heard me argue that cup deserved it last year. And I think cup, I'd have to look at it. I, I comparing cup season last year with Jefferson's season this year would be an interesting, an interesting activity there. I'd, I'd be curious to see how that, how that lines up. Um, did you get a chance? Did you see that, uh, DM with that wide receiver tears? Uh, well, I know I I saw I saw you sent it to me, but I didn't look at it yet. Here, pull pull it up and and share it uh, real quick. Now, since we're talking about Jefferson, it's only natural. Um, okay. I, I would say that just real quick for the people out there, Justin Jefferson is still not um, Randy Moss. I've seen a lot of that. I saw Chris Carter say it. Randy Moss is the greatest receiver I've ever seen. Justin Jefferson can get there. Uh, but I think it's premature to to put him on that Randy Moss tier quite yet. I think Randy Moss was in a in a foregone era where we weren't passing a ton the way we are now. 
Okay, here it is. Elite tier, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup. I've got no issues there. Yeah, my my whole thing on that is like you could a hundred percent convince me that Stefan Diggs, any of Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, Devo Samuel, or CeeDee Lamb are more talented than Devontae Adams. Like I, I I wholeheartedly believe that, but I know that the Devontae Adams stats are pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it gets I mean, it gets really hard trying to parse out, especially different so many different ways to play the receiver position too. Uh, AJ Brown falls in the great number one, Devonta Smith, the good number one. I would argue Tyler Lockett should be into the good number one out of the yeah. fringe one too. I think he should be higher. Um, I think putting anything else jumps out at me. The, the thing yeah, Tyler Lockett's definitely kind of the, the number one guy that I think got disrespected here. Um, I think putting Cortland Sutton above Tyler Lockett is so disrespectful. Cortland Sutton's too high. He should be in that fringe one, too, for me. I think DJ Moore's too high. I think Amari Cooper's probably a little too high. Um, You can make a case McLaurin's too low. Where's McLaurin? Oh, good number one? Eh, I don't know if I would say great number one. I would take him over IU, Hopkins, Evans, and maybe Amon Ra. Yeah. Hmm. It's an interesting. It's yeah. interesting. It's interesting. It's also I also hard. think Higgins Higgins looks so much better than he would if he wasn't next to Jamar Chase. But um, that's I don't it. know. He did it when Chase was out too. He though. did. No, he did. He did. But I, I think over like a full and he does have Burrow too, so he has like the double the double whammy there. But um, I I think that's probably a little high for Higgins. Just I don't. Maybe I'm too high on McLaurin. Yeah. B interesting it's also hard to like separate your feelings about contracts and things and yeah, age yeah. and all of that but well speaking of jamar chase uh, let, let's talk about his team here uh, the Bengals traveled to new england they win 22 to 18 they were up 22 to zero and outgained the patriots 303 to 70 in the first half uh, in the second half they were held to 118 yards joe burrow threw a pick six uh, jamar chase had a fumble they missed a field goal but the Bengals were able to survive it all, and they hung on for a win, although it did take a Ramondre Stevenson fumble on the five-yard line with 59 seconds left. Uh, back-to-back gut-wrenching losses for the Patriots all but eliminates them from the playoffs. Uh, and technically, Cincinnati is still has a shot at the one seed, although they are a game behind the Bills and the Chiefs. Yeah, I so I had Cincy minus three in this game, uh, so I was very much watching this one. Uh, if they would have went up 22-0 at halftime with one of the most dominant halves I've ever seen and then failed to cover minus three, I would have been very sad. Uh, so I'm happy that Ramondre did fumble or else that could have been a sad a sad Christmas Eve for me. Um, but this game is not deterring me from saying what I'm going to say here. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl. I, I've, I just feel so good about this team and I feel so good about this defense right now. I feel so much better about this defense than I ever expected to feel um, uh, about this roster when you just look at it on paper. Um, It it seems like this Bengals team just finds ways to win games, whether that be to come from behind and flex your muscles as an offense, or whether that be to kind of get out to a hot start and then the offense goes completely quiet and your defense finds ways to make plays and win you the game. Like, 
I, I think Cincy is just so multifaceted and similar to Philadelphia. I, I think Cincinnati has a lot of ways to beat you. I think they have a lot of ways to win a game. I don't know if I feel that way about Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, or Dallas. And I think those are the other contenders. I think the two true contenders that I think can kind of win a dogfight, a low-scoring game, a come-from-behind, manage a come-from-behind against them, or kind of win a, a shootout, I think it's Cincy and Philly. I think they're the two teams that are most set up uh, for what this playoff run is going to look like. Um, so maybe since he doesn't win it, I, I right now, if you put a gun to my head and ask me who I think would win the Super Bowl, maybe it's the injuries, maybe it's the hurt situation with not knowing exactly what we're going to get. I'd probably lean Cincy. But what I will say is I'm feeling very good about the chance of a Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl. All right. Put it down. I, I can get on board with that. Although I could get on board with any matchup that had the Eagles in it. So I And by the way, uh, I did bet the Bengals plus 1,200. We talked about it on the show about a, a month and a half ago. I bet mm-hmm. them at plus 1,200 to win the AFC. I believe they're now at plus 300 to win the AFC and around plus 700 to win the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I got that in at the right time when the Bengals were 5-4. and four. Just like last year, I got the Bengals at plus 800 in at the right time kind of before they went on their run. So, um, you know, I was, I was talking about my guys earlier. It's hard to You're call Joe Bengals Burrow your guy, but yeah, it seems like I know when the Bengals are about to get hot. So that's my uh, that's my gambling superpower. All right. Well, we've got seven games left here, so we're going to rapid fire a few of these because they're not For that sure. important. Uh, but Houston beats Tennessee 19-14. to 14. Uh, Tennessee, well, let's, Houston, they took Dallas and Kansas City to the brink the last two weeks, but they lost. Uh, not so this week as they topple the Titans on the road. The Titans have now lost five straight games, and they no longer lead the AFC South. As we talked about earlier, it will come down to a Week 18 game uh, when Tennessee goes to Jacksonville to decide the AFC South. My money's on the Jags. Yep, I feel the same way. Lovey's doing a good job at least getting them to respectability at the end of the year here in Houston. Uh, I wish you could say the same about Tennessee. They are not respectable. Yeah, Houston better be careful. They don't want to win another game. Yeah, they better be really careful this week against Jacksonville. Keep, they need to take a note from the Bears and play really good for three and a half quarters and then just blow the game on purpose. Just like fumble it like the, the water boy where you like throw the ball at the other team, just like fumble it to the other team on purpose. Just give them the ball, hike it and like throw it to them. Yeah. Okay, Washington at San Francisco. San Francisco wins this game 37 to 20. Um QB Musical Chairs is back in play here uh, in Washington after Taylor Heineke was benched for Carson Wentz late in the game. Carson Wentz is now the starter moving forward. Uh, On the 49ers side, Nick Bosa had two sacks, boosting his total to 17.5 for the season. Uh, Brock Purdy became the second quarterback in NFL history to start 3-0 and throw multiple touchdown passes in every start. The other was Kurt Warner in 1999 when he won MVP and <laughs> Super Bowl MVP. So maybe something on the horizon there for the 49ers. This 49ers defense is unbelievable. I pulled uh, EPA numbers this week or for the last six weeks of the season, and it's just absurd. Uh, I tweeted this out today. You guys can find it on my Twitter if you're listening. Uh, I'll throw it up on the screen here for those of you on YouTube. The 49ers defense is lapping the competition. 
Like the 49ers defensive EPA per play is five times better than the second best defense. It's just absurd how good this defense is. Yeah, I mean, the offense is pretty darn good, too, um, considering the fact that you have McCaffrey and you're going to get Debo back and you have Ayuk and Kittle has really, really turned into himself again. Um, It seems like Brock Purdy has more of a connection with Kittle than even Jimmy G did or or than Trey Lance obviously did. So um, them being able to fully weaponize Kittle and make him look like that second best tight end in football again, I think that's going to be really important for that playoff run. Um, I... (laughs) The Washington thing, I don't even know what I think about it. Like, I I, I want to make fun of them for putting Wentz in, but he actually looked pretty good at the end of this game, um, comparatively to Heineke, or at least how Heineke's looked as of late. Heineke's so limited. Um, it's a really, really tough situation for Washington. Um, the floor for Heineke is a lot higher than it is for Carson Wentz. But the upside is much higher still with Wentz than Heineke. So I get kind of throwing him out there one last time just to see if there's anything there. Um, This might even be a situation where you should run both out there. Run a 2QB system. (laughs) Alternate drives. As soon as one starts looking like a... We need a high floor drive right now because we got the lead. Okay, we're behind. We need a high ceiling drive. Throw in Wentz. (laughs) It should just literally be like they should have like a bonehead meter. And, like, anytime they feel like Carson Wentz is about to do something really stupid, be like, all right, partner. Like, whoa there, settle down. Like, we're going to put Heineke in. And, like, if Heineke starts, like, you know, celebrating uh, personal flags, uh, then maybe put Wentz in. Uh, they're just, it's a weird situation there because that's another, like, they're not Jets-level good. But if you look at how the defense performed in, like, the last six games before this game, they were keeping teams below 20, like, every single game. Um, so it, it's... And they have McLaurin, obviously, who we just talked about. Brian Robinson's been good. Antonio Gibson's a, a solid second running back option. Um, they ha- Jahan Dotson's actually really stepped up over these last couple of weeks. Um, they have guys. Washington has things to be excited about. They just a, Another team like the Jets that just can't figure out quarterback. By the way, I lost track of teams looking for quarterbacks. I said I would make that list and completely lost track. We're at like eight or nine teams that we've talked about it with, though. It's going to be really, really interesting this offseason. Yeah. Okay, Raiders at the Steelers. The Steelers win 13-10. Kenny Pickett engineered his third game-winning drive of the season, going 76 yards and 10 plays, capped by a George Pickens TD. Uh, the Steelers are 7-8 and eight with games at Baltimore and versus Cleveland left. They need a win and then a tie or a win for Tomlin to avoid a losing season. So uh, we can keep an eye on that. Uh, you got to – well, we won't. We don't have to have this discussion, but if T.J. Watt had stayed healthy this season, I think the Steelers would be in the playoffs. Um, yep. on, on the Raiders' side, Derek Carr targeted Devontae Adams nine times, and Devontae Adams had 15 receiving yards. So just a disgusting season in Las Vegas for the Raiders. And Carr is now benched, so it'll be Stidham these last two weeks, and Carr will be on the Colts or the Commanders next year. Um, You can pretty much lock that in. Um, So it looks like the Raiders very much will be in the mix um, in that quarterback market. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Pittsburgh, obviously, this is just like Franco Harris. This is just like – it's it's so insane that Franco Harris went out and – he was supposed to be getting 
uh, his number retired in this game. The immaculate reception was 50 years to the day. They were playing the Raiders, and he passes away. Once you heard that news, not to be insensitive whatsoever, RIP, once you heard that news, you knew the Steelers were going to find a way to win this game, and it was going to be, you know, miraculous and, you know, drama, drama-filled. Uh, it, it was it, it was written in the stars. Pretty insane, insane fate there uh, that, you know, unfortunately Franco Harris passed away the week of the Immaculate Reception, which is one of the most famous plays in football and the number one thing that comes up when you think of him. Pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. Okay, Green Bay at Miami. Green Bay wins 26-20. to 20. Uh, Tua got a concussion. Well, Tua reported concussion-like symptoms uh, the day after the game. It likely occurred on a play shortly before halftime when he hit his head on the back or hit the back of his head on the turf. Um, if that's when the concussion happened, before that play, he was nine of twelve for 229 yards and a touchdown. Afterwards, he was seven of 13 for 81 yards and three interceptions, including interceptions on three consecutive drives. Um, Green Bay went for it five times in this game on fourth down, including a fake punt at their own 20-yard line. They converted three of the five. Uh, They were playing with desperation, and now they've won three in a row. They need to win out uh, against Minnesota and Detroit and then hope for a Washington loss, uh, and they would be into the playoffs. Uh, As for Miami, they control their own fate, but they need to win out at New England and versus the Jets, or they're going to need help. But you have to wonder... If two is going to play where he's going to be at, it, I don't know. It almost feels like Miami should just be shutting Tua down for the season. Yeah, this is a sad situation. And, you know, uh, Tua played terrible in this game. And after last week where it looked like they had kind of figured out their problems and Tua looked a lot better against a good Buffalo defense, they just, you know, were not able to, to continue that this week. And it's disappointing to see the news with Tua. Um, at this point, you have to imagine if it's not better that he steps away from football um, with three concussions in the short of time span. Um, just, you know, just a gut punch for, for Dolphins fans out there, for two of guys like me uh, who enjoyed what he was able to do for much of the season. Um, just terrible news on that side of the, on that side of the ball. And uh, I will say Teddy Bridgewater, as long as he stays healthy, because I think did he get concussed last time he came in as well or he got hurt. He got some- injured. I don't think it was a concussion i thought it was like a finger injury but i can't remember it's been a while yeah whatever it was he w- he was out for multiple weeks there and they played skylar thompson so they didn't really even get a chance to play a real backup um so it'll be interesting to see what miami looks like with bridgewater um a- as opposed to Tua in this game um so that will kind of tell a lot of people on you know if this was just a full-on system situation when Tua was looking good um, if Teddy steps in there and performs to the ability that Tua was performing earlier this year, that'll be something to keep an eye on. But um, it seems like it's almost better for Miami to miss the playoffs and let Tua come back next year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, three games left here. We've got Denver at the Rams. <laughs> the Rams uh, win 51 to 14. They didn't punt all day. Uh, the Broncos defense looks like it's just given up. Uh, Russell Wilson threw interceptions on his first two drives after back-to-back sacks in the third quarter where the offensive line did not help Wilson up. uh, Backup quarterback Brett Rippon got into it with an offensive lineman on the sideline. Uh, All kinds of disaster. Wilson ends up 15-27 for one touchdown, three interceptions. He took six sacks and had a QBR of 3.5. 
and then Nathaniel Hackett was fired after the game. Like I can't imagine who you could possibly hire to coach this team right now. Like if I was an NFL coordinator and I got the call that the Broncos wanted to interview me, I would go for practice in the interview. There is no chance I would accept this job right now. Given the fact you're stuck with Russell Wilson, you have no draft picks. This is the worst head coach opening in football. Yeah, I totally agree. With you. And you, you said if you're a coordinator, you wouldn't you wouldn't go and interview with them. Or you would go and interview with them, but you wouldn't take the job. So would the Broncos defensive coordinator, Ejiro Evero. Um, he was asked to, to be the interim coach, and he said, no, nah, I'm good. Um, I did so, not know that. That's yeah, hilarious. yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, apparently, there's part of him that thinks there's no positives that can be done these next two weeks. Um, to help his candidacy for other jobs because the Broncos defense was good this year. So he, yeah, he's so, out of there. He's out of there as soon as anybody offers him a head coaching job. Yeah. Yeah. And I, he was even saying like, even if he wants the, the head coaching job in Denver, he doesn't think being the interim would help him in, in the, in the interview process there. And it'd be better to just do what he's done, do what he's done all season. So that's pretty interesting to hear a coach turn down a head coaching job, even if it's an interim one. Um, so they actually are using, Jerry Rosberg as the interim coach, which is the guy, the game after the management first, guy. Yeah, yeah, the guy after the first couple of weeks when Hackett didn't know when to call timeouts and didn't know what to do in the end of games. That's the guy they hired to bring in to like actually manage the game. So uh, he'll be the head coach, even though I guess he's been making the decisions all year, uh, which haven't been good all year. Um, but yeah, what a, what an absolute catastrophe. I, Jamie Erdahl on Good Morning Football, and I maybe honestly this is one of those things where like on those studio shows there's two opinions and if you ask a question someone has to take one opinion and the other person has to take the other opinion they were asking whether or not this is a good fit for sean payton denver and the one guy was like i think it was mccordy he was like absolutely not like why would anyone coach this team and then jamie erdahl like ran down a list of reasons like why sean payton should coach the broncos and sean payton i know you're a chalk talk listener Please do not go coach the Broncos. That would be a terrible decision for you. Yeah. Yeah. Just, well, yeah. Just go to an AFC team, but not Denver. Ugh, yeah. I mean, he just has to be praying that the Chargers lose by like 40 in round one and they fire Brandon Staley and they can bring him in. And Lombardi's the OC. I know everyone hates him, but that's Sean Payton's guy. Like, you could probably keep Herbert with the same guy and at least have Sean Payton tweak it. And, you know, there's probably negatives there, but at least you're not completely changing Herbert's mindset and giving him a new coordinator. I know you probably don't like that, but uh, Sean Payton could definitely help, I'm sure. Hey, if Sean Payton can convince Joe Lombardi that you can run routes more than five yards <laughs> downfield, I'm all for it. <laughs> okay, Tampa Bay at Arizona. This one went into overtime, and Tampa grinds out a 19-16 to win after coming back from down 16-3. to uh, Brady has four straight games with an interception now, seven total interceptions in the last four games. Uh, so we come up to playoff scenarios. Tampa clinches with a win over the Panthers this weekend. Uh, if they lose, they would need to beat Atlanta in Week 18 while Carolina loses to New Orleans to make it in. So they control their own fate as long as they win this weekend. Uh, on the flip side, the Cliff Kingsbury spin machine is up and running now. The same spin machine that got him an NFL job uh, after he was fired for not being able to win at Texas Tech. 
it's now working for him. He's anticipating being fired because you have sources coming out now. An anonymous source close to Cliff Kingsbury said that the Cardinals just won't let him be great, which, let's be honest, <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury is the source, right? They won't let me be great. They haven't devoted enough resources. Like The Cardinals have devoted more resources to weapons, to receivers and tight ends and running backs than any team in the NFL <laughs> since Cliff Kingsbury was hired. And yes, they stink, but Cliff is part of the process to pick them. Uh, just absurd. And I am at least excited to see this for the Cardinals' sake because it does make me think Kingsbury is absolutely going to be fired. Yeah, now they waited to the point where now Kyler's probably never going to be the same player again after a massive knee injury that probably more than any other player in the league makes me nervous for him long term um, because a Kyler without next level athleticism and escapability in the pocket, there were already some concerns this year with that. Um, so I, I think I'm extremely concerned about Kyler long term. Um, and of course, now he'll get a competent coach, probably. So it took yeah. uh, it took that it took a massive injury for them to realize Cliff Kingsbury is a, a total bimbo. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a shame. Um, I'm actually surprised that Kingsbury wasn't fired earlier in the year so he could go and get uh, a college job. Uh, because now I get what's he going to do? He's just going to sit on like a studio show all, all season next year and tell us like, oh. This is what a coach should do. And it's like, yeah, you're an idiot. Why are you talking on it in a studio I'm not sure show? he knows enough to convince the average viewer in a studio show that they should listen to him. I don't yeah, know how but he, he looks... one over on Cardinals, on Cardinals brass. Yeah, but he looks pretty in a suit. They'll, they'll look at him and be like, oh, he looks like he'd be good on TV. Yeah. It's the only difference between me and Cliff Kingsbury. He looks pretty in a suit. <laughs> I am going to steal that line though. I'm going to start, I'm going to start saying to people, you know, why don't you let me be great? I'm, I'm just going to start, I'm going to start that. Yeah. That, I mean, he is just like, ugh. like I, one of my least favorite kind of just like consistent characters in the NFL over the last couple of years has been Cliff Kingsbury, like having to talk about Cliff Kingsbury and how many, like we've had this conversation so many times where it's just like the same conversation every week with him and the same kind of points that we make every week with him. It's just one of those things where it's like, I'm so exhausted of this talking point and I'm just ready to, to move on and not have to think about Cliff Kingsbury. I am going to have to find a new punching bag for next year. And so maybe I should root for, root for Joe Lombardi to retain his OC job in LA. So <laughs> Matt Canada. The Chargers. Yeah, Matt Canada. Uh, the Chargers win 20 to three at Indianapolis. The Chargers were 8 of 18 on third downs. The Colts were 0 of 10. Nick Foles got the start for Indianapolis. And Nick Foles has the wildest career <clears throat> it may be in sports <laughs> history. Like the 27-2 and season with the Eagles, he gets traded to the Rams and he's benched, comes back to Philly off the bench for a Super Bowl MVP and a postseason win the next year. To the Jags where he gets benched, to the Bears where he gets benched, to the Colt, wherever he is in between, like, I don't know what it is about this guy, but uh, it's going to be an interesting 30 for 30 someday. But there, there's no reason for the Colts not to be playing Sam Ellinger. I mean, is he good? 99% chance no, but he only got two starts. Like, your season's done. Put him out there and see if he can convince you not to go trade for Derek Carr like we all know you're going to do this offseason. Yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll definitely be what happens. Um, 
man, the Colts are, I don't know if there's many teams that I'd rather be a fan of. Like they are one of the least interesting teams in football at this point um, going forward. So uh, the Chargers, on the other hand, I think are, if you're looking for the team outside of that six I mentioned earlier, I think the obvious six Super Bowl contenders being Philly, San Fran, Dallas, uh, Cincy, Buffalo, Kansas City. The best team outside of them is probably the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've won four of their last five, so they clinched a playoff spot. Uh, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are both back now. The Chargers' defense is coming alive. They've got mm-hmm. 13 sacks in the last three games. They're heating up at the right time, although that only looks like scoring 20 points on the Colts, but mm-hmm. they're getting healthy. Maybe they get Bosa back. I think I heard he's starting to practice now. Yeah. So you get Bosa back, Khalil Max starting to look better. They could potentially make some noise in the playoffs. I'm not hopeful. I mean, I'm hopeful. I'm not optimistic. I'm hopeful, though, that the Chargers could go make a run. And I will just say, because I've said it all, all year, I don't think enough credit has been given to the job Brandon Staley has done this year because I think the Chargers have been so banged up. They've been so hurt. And they've had to change their identity so many times throughout the year to fit the guys that they had available to them. Uh, And I think Staley's done a great job, even if he does some weird stretching before games. Yeah, that was that was funny video. We got Mr. (laughs) Crockpot chiming in on YouTube says, what's up, guys? Hey, man, having having a good time breaking down week 16. You're catching us at the end here. But we talked some Eagles at the beginning. We've got through the whole slate. Uh, Mark, before we get out of here. Uh, do you have any final thoughts for me that you need to get off your chest? Uh, nothing much. Uh, you know, you can the, the Tough Cover Radio Show this week uh, on Saturday, eleven to one on New Year's Eve. We took the week off last year, uh, last week for Christmas Eve. So uh, just like this show, it'll be uh, you know going two weeks without the radio show. I'll have a lot to say, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so I, not not much else to say. I guess we can make the joke. This is an all an all wifed up slash married slash engaged podcast now, uh, since I did get engaged last weekend uh, to my longtime girlfriend. So uh, we are officially a non non signal a non single show. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> Even though you sorry. can't see me. Sorry, sorry, ladies. Although you don't have many suitors because they don't ever see your face on here. So. Yeah, but that avatar, though, that picture, that tiny little tough cover radio show advertisement, that's just that got that, that gets the ladies going. <laughs> yeah, a big chalk talk. Congratulations to Mark. I can't believe you didn't say that. Lead with that when I asked you how you were doing. But uh, I did. I saw that on Twitter uh, last week or earlier this week. I don't know. It all runs together. But congratulations to Mark. On getting engaged, um, do you guys have a date yet? Uh, summer 2024, probably probably June, July 2024. So a uh, long time away still kind of, but yeah. All right. Well, for my final thoughts, um, I, I have a question for you, Mark, and my final thoughts. What is it? Why won't you let me be great? <laughs> <laughs> that is, I, I, I haven't given Shane the resources on this podcast to be great. It's really... It's really an organizational failure. Honestly, you could you could probably put a little bit on that, a little bit of that on Dives too. Uh, dives and the painted lines. They just they just haven't put Shane in the position to be great. It's you know I've been telling Dives all along. He's just he's got to let Shane be great. I, I really hope Dives wasn't on the podcast ten minutes ago to have any idea where that remark's coming from because that would be <laughs> the funniest funniest possible timeline. But um, for real though, my final thought is about the NFL playoffs, NFL. I want to fix your playoffs for you because nobody wants to watch the eight and nine Buccaneers in a playoff game. So here's what we're going to do. 
proposal for 2023 and beyond. NFL division winners should be guaranteed a playoff spot as long as they have a winning record. If the winner, of a division, if the winner of a division does not have a winning record, sorry, you don't get a playoff game. We're going with a fourth wild card spot. Nobody in the NFC South deserves a wild card spot. Have some dignity. Get the Buccaneers out of the playoffs. Boo! The six nine and one Panthers making it back in the day. That's the stuff I live for. Give <laughs> me a six win team in the playoffs. It's comical. I, I if- think. I, I'm willing to move off of my point and just say if you don't have a winning record, you don't get to host your playoff game. It recedes. But all right, I'm fine with that. Something's I'm fine happen. with that. I would prefer to get them out, but if we can't get them out, at least don't make you know a, a 12 win, 12, 13 win, five seed travel to an eight, an eight win, four seed. That's just ridiculous. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. I do think it's very funny to track the very bad division every year like I, I think that's one of my favorite pastimes in, in the nfl <laughs> that and that and the coaching uh coaching vacancy the coaching carousel which oh. we'll be getting into probably two weeks from now when that all kicks off after week 18 but you guys will have to wait till episode 87 for that, i don't know if so. i can wait you know that's my that's my that might be my favorite podcast of the whole year <laughs> well thank you guys for joining us for episode number 85 of chalk talk if you enjoy what you heard on the show and We know that you do. Be sure you smash that subscribe button. Turn on notifications so you don't miss the next episode. Drop us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at half and half underscore TPL. He is at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. You can check out my YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I've got an all 22 video out right now uh, about play sequencing from the Eagles Cowboys game. I'll have another one or two coming out in the next day or two. So be sure you check those out. So for me, from Mark and from the Painted Lines. We'll see you guys next time.